Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Ashvin Vadyanathan, author and chief customer officer at Gainsight. In this episode, we talked about the power and impact that customer success and product teams can have when joining forces, why Ashvin created a customer experience position to act as a liaison between the two teams, and how they have a common North Star metric they focus on. We also discussed how the customer success team determines which pain points are important to act upon, what their process looks like, how they measure the impact of multiple teams sharing one metric, and how a customer success team of over 150 professionals is structured. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Ashvin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew, for having me. Excited about it. Yeah, it's a pleasure. For the listeners, uh, Ashvin is an author and currently the Chief Customer Officer at Gainsight. Uh, He's responsible for all post-sale functions, including a global team of more than 150 people uh, across customer success management, professional services, and support. And uh, if you don't know, Gainsight helps customer success, post-sales, and product teams put customers at the heart of their business to deliver better outcomes and grow net dollar retention. Uh, so my first question for you, Ashvin, is what's it like leading a team at a company that's building software for teams like yours? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. It was partly the reason I even came to Gainsight um, because the post-sales team or the customer success team at Gainsight has a dual job. One is making our customers successful, obviously, and, and um, improving outcomes for them, which in turn improves net dollar retention for us as a company. And then the other part to our business is almost show, like trying out new things, uh, sharing ideas across the community, pushing the, the call it collective customer success community forward, um, yeah. using best practices, etc. So um, my team and I myself have a um, privilege and responsibility in a way, uh, the privilege of seeing what people are doing across the community so we can learn and connect the dots, et cetera, and the responsibility of then taking it back to our customers. It's also a high uh, pressure job because every meeting that my CSMs present in, they're constantly judged for, are you doing everything that you prescribe to us, right? Like, so it is, it's a fun, uh, fun place to be. And for, uh, there are lots of folks on my team who enjoy that type of 
uh, limelight as well as the opportunity to teach um, um, maybe even practice what we preach so it's it's fun all in um, yeah absolutely I, I could imagine it must feel like something like a designer that's working for someone like figma or, uh, or framer that's right anytime that's you push right. something new out everybody's going to be super critical like uh, that's right <laughs> are you doing exactly what you tell us to do you know exactly um yeah. and, and i think it definitely is like an, a super interesting place to be from your perspective especially when you look at like customer success and re- it's a relatively new practice uh, when you if you think about like business in general and uh, right. how many years like more traditional um, practices like marketing and sales have been put into place. So That's in a lot of ways, I think you're even like helping define and shape uh, what the practice becomes. Um, right. And I'm interested then as well, like how closely are, does your customer success team then work with the product team? So you mentioned like you you have a dual purpose, like one is really making sure your customers are successful then, but how does your team then work with product themselves? Like what are some unique practices that you think you've implemented uh, at Gainsight? Yeah, I'll call out three. And actually like we, um, I'll even preface that, this by saying uh, what we are telling the broader community, not just CS, but companies who want to be more customer centric is what sales plus marketing did at one point sales was doing their thing and marketing was doing their own thing. They combined forces to say, this is how a pipeline should look. And this is what marketing contributes to sales. I think that new um, power couple, if you will, in the business is is CS and product. If CS and product can join forces, I think we can do a lot with Um, converting freemium customers over to paid customers. We can do a lot with prioritizing roadmap based on usage patterns and input from the customer success world. Like all of those things can unlock a ton of value for customers, hence unlocks a ton of value for vendors who sell into customers. And a few tactical things to your question that we've um, started doing at Gainsight is one, um, we do a bi-weekly meeting every other week. We do a product CS interlock meeting. And this is like about an hour long in which the first 30 minutes is, and it has this meeting has two um, objectives. Product creates products and they want the adoption of those newer products, call it, to be as high as possible, as quickly as possible. So the first 30 minutes is the CS team telling the product team what they're doing to enable the team, what challenges are they facing when they roll this out? What help do they need from product? Compare metrics uh, around the usage of these newer products, et cetera, so that we are helping product realize ROI on the investment that they've made. Um, We meaning the CS team. And then the second thing that we do, the second half is the other way around where CS gives uh, feature and product requests back to the product team, certain themes. It's not a, a any one customer input, but themes that we are seeing across multiple customers with respect to, let's say, a use case and let's say high-touch customer success management. Gainsight product team, we want you to do X, Y, and Z in high-touch customer success management, right? Or low-touch customer success management. And so bringing that level of insight is very helpful for the product team when it comes to themes. So we're doing a lot more of that. So that is one tactic that we've executed on. The second big tactic that we've executed on is actually I created a role within my organization called customer experience, who almost sits on the border of uh, is the liaison between CS and product. And so what he does on a regular basis is brings together 
multiple um, stakeholders at our customers, call it like administrators or operations team members at our customers, and then dives deep into any one product or use case, product line or use case, and then has conversations about like, you looks like from your uh, usage data, you started doing a particular journey, but then stopped. Tell me all about like why you stopped. And it's almost like acting like a voice of the customer into the product organization and into the CS organization so that both teams can then take action on driving on solving some of these issues. So that was another big transformational project that we took on and has yielded great results. And then the final thing I'll call out is um, my chief product officer and I have agreed for our teams to take a common North Star metric, which we are calling as the breadth of adoption. Of the many things you can do in Gainsight are, is what percentage of customers are doing the top five or six things. And so this is a measure that both of our bonuses and compensation is tied to. And so we are saying, um, product, I need your help to do everything possible to drive this adoption forward. And CS, I'm going to do everything to drive it forward. So alignment, I guess, between the two teams has been um, instrumental. Yeah, I, I really like uh, how you started as well in the sense of like how marketing and sales sort of uh, joined forces and said, okay, this is the funnel and this is the pipeline, how we get through and let's work yeah. together to sort of pass the baton and make sure we're closing more deals. Um, yeah. it, it does, I uh, think that does make quite a lot of sense in drawing the analogy between like customer success and product and really how the two teams should be working uh, a lot closer together. That's right. I'm interested though, uh, the second point that you mentioned, sort of the customer experience, um, the person that you brought on to like dive into customers' problems deeper and things. How would this be different like in a typical organization where you have user researchers and uh, like, do you have user researchers against sites? How do they work together with them? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, they combine, again, they combine forces. Um, we we didn't staff someone like a user researcher for a long time and now have that role also in the product team, which yeah. at this point meant that this person, so in a way, this head of customer experience was acting like a user researcher to kickstart that process. Now yeah. that we have that role fully staffed up, now he's gone on to do another cross-functional project, which includes sales and CS and sits at the border of sales and CS and also brings in the product. So a very clear example of that would be um, launching what we are calling as like the customer effort score, which is a very um, industry known term. It's a seven point scale of how easy was it to do what you were doing at any point in the product? And so using that type of um, survey insight in the product itself, we do an in-app survey as an example, if you are on a page for greater than X minutes. And yeah. then that data, then tying it back into the product team and the user researcher team and the user experience team to say, like, this is the level of insight we are getting. Uh, feeds it back to our customer success team to say, you have an upcoming renewal with a low customer effort score. Like, how are you thinking about joining these two data points? Because you shouldn't be surprised about the level of effort when it comes time for renewal. So um, he's doing things like that. So um, once, so it's almost like he's the pilot for a new engagement and then we create a function around create it. a function. Very interesting. I think actually this, uh, like the role itself sounds a little bit similar like to discussion I had previously with David Sakamoto from the VP of Customer Success at GitLab. Yeah. Um, and what we chatted about in that episode was like the concept of like 
CS uh, often not being um, in a position to have an impact and then often like being responsible for, for something like churn or retention. Um, but he argued uh, to the point that really it should like as customer success, you should be the one obsessing about like orchestrating the perfect customer experience. Um, and if anybody in the organization needs to be doing this, it needs to be uh, uh, CS. So if uh, sales is not doing a great job and they're selling to badly qualified leads and that's hurting retention, right. like that should be part of customer success job to understand and work with them to improve. Like if marketing is overselling and uh, they're coming through the door and then the product's under delivering, like that's where they need to step in. And um, his argument was like, if any like, team in the organization needs to own this experience, it needs to be customer success. Who's like super close to the customer, always speaking to them. Uh, and then through each stage, like able and, uh, he changed my thinking as well on like uh, the impact of customer success and like uh, its role. This like, how do you see this like within your organization? Like, is this something similar that you're practicing at Gainsight? Yeah, um, love David Sakamoto as a friend as well as like a customer of Gainsight. So uh, yeah, we go back a long way. He's he's got some awesome things going at his company too. Um, so at Gainsight, like yes, so I agree with the similar notion to what he described. Um, I'd say. Um, like in terms of orchestrating that customer experience, um, that that customer experience role that I spoke about definitely has a huge role to play in it. I'll give you a very tactical way um, that we started doing this, which yielded a ton of results. So the first one was um, we do like net promoter score NPS type surveys that a lot of companies do. We actually pipe that data through to our Slack, to a Slack channel, which is open to everyone in the company. And so what that has yielded is like the survey goes out from Gainsight. If the response comes in, it is stored in Gainsight, but also pushed through to Slack. And every day there is a constant feed of net promoter score responses with the comments. And then that then starts surfacing up. Someone might say, my sales process was completely broken or I love the product, but the renewal process was not very um like I, I didn't enjoy it, right? Yeah. So then that in that di Slack dialogue, then there is a dialogue with between the uh, account manager and the CSM and the product team about like, hey, why, why did this happen? And like people start chiming in and it's very productive. Early on, um, it, it got a little defensive, but over time now, people have started realizing that we all have to work together to solve this. And it's all very transparent. We are a very transparent company in general. And so um, this notion of showing all comments to everyone, and sometimes it's a very uncomfortable comment from the customer too. Uh, yeah. And that's okay. Um, we, don't, we don't need to hide. And then like in the context of that, because I also really love this idea of like, obviously uh, previously coming from Hotjar, we were a super transparent company and also super qualitative, I would say, like in terms of like interactions, getting close to customer, really understanding them. How then do you sort of quantify um, the areas and the impacts that need to happen? So NPS is great. You've got uh, insights flowing through. Like, how do you avoid like people just jumping onto maybe problems that might show up because there's an angry customer versus knowing, okay, this is really a big problem and it's it's impactful because it's impacting several customers. Like, what methods and processes does your team currently uh, work on to sort of pass the the baton onto product and say, okay, these are the biggest pain points we're hearing. This is why. This is how things are changing over time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, it has to tie back to a couple of things. So um, first is when we do any form of churn, um, like at the end of the quarter, when we do any form of like a churn retro on what were the root causes of the churn, we classify that based on root causes, 
that can be assigned to any one particular function within the company. So if your churn reason is not getting value, that doesn't mean anything because no one knows what to do if you say a customer churn because they didn't get value. That like, what do I do with that data? It has to get like, right? Like it has to go two or three or five levels deeper to say the actual issue was there was no qualified administrator at the customer who could take the ball forward and do this. Or like the onboarding didn't go well, which set them off on a wrong path and then led to churn. So our goal and product is one of those things where we could say, we could come back and say the product didn't solve for the use case that we sold into, which means sales stop selling this use case till the product can actually solve that problem and product if this is interesting to us as a company fix it right like that's the general idea and so what we do on a quarterly basis is share that information and what percentage is coming from each one of these functions in a way or attributable to each one of these functions and then over uh, the last year two years we've now trended it so much that we can now with confidence say if we solve problem x it can potentially yield one or two points in retention or one minus churn basically. And so then it creates a focus for the product team to say, okay, simplification of product feature X is what we need to focus on versus not, and it gets prioritized. Then the second thing is like, this is unavoidable, but for our largest customers, there is a process that we follow, which we call as a product risk process. It's almost like product team has your roadmap, but, Every now and then, like it's only like the top 1% of cases, the CSM team will push something as a product risk, which means it has to take priority over most other things being worked on in the product. It jumps the queue in a way. And so our chief product officer and I have now gotten to an alignment on how many these can, how often these can happen, how many these will be, uh, because it's obviously disruptive, but it's only the cases uh, where either it, if not solving it means churn for our largest customers, which obviously impacts business or not solving it uh, impacts expansion opportunities, which obviously impacts sales and everything else. So it has to have like meaningful dollars associated with the ask um, in order yeah. to jump the queue. And how do you go about that? Like uh, what is like a flag look like? Uh, what are some of the details like product are wanting to know in order to jump the queue? And uh, yeah, just start with that. Yeah. Um, So uh, I'll give you the call it like the template and then the process followed. So the template is basically when um, and we use something called call to action in Gainsight. So the CSM creates a call to action for the product team in Gainsight that says customer name, um, like what's what is the actual ask? what uh, in the product, uh, what's the problem faced actually even before what the solution is, but what is the problem faced? What why can't we try out any alternative things or have we tried out any alternative ways of solving the problem? And what's the dollar impact of not solving the problem, which could be an upcoming renewal, generally tied to having an upcoming renewal within the next six to 12 months. Otherwise it becomes less important in that context because again, this is very reactive firefighting, right? So, um, and so next six to 12 months. And then uh, the process that is followed as part of that uh, thing is that is automated and email gets sent to me, my VP of CS, uh, the head of product, as well as the product operations team. And then uh, all of us on an email chain debate whether this qualifies or not. And like there is some amount. And if we need a meeting, we bring it into a, a meeting. Um, and then following that, once it's accepted, 
then the product manager is responsible for updating the call to action on a weekly basis on what's the progress related to that product risk so we've accepted it um we are uh, identifying the level of effort required this week next week we'll update you on what the timeline looks like for a release or we said q2 but it looks like it's actually going to be q3 so manage customer expectations or whatever to um solve it, it so yeah very interesting uh, and it definitely sounds as well like uh, from the outside that the customer success team is like heavily involved in product development and working close and i like the fact as well that you have a shared metric as like the north star between the two teams yep. um i think obviously as well like having a metric that uh, looks to get breadth of usage across a wide range of features uh, it makes a lot of sense as well in terms of like increasing engagement i think like um, retention uh, engagement is like the breadth and the retention is the depth and like yep. increasing uh, the breadth in terms of engagement is increase uh, retention overall. So that's it, right. It makes sense in that context as well uh, that you're both responsible because then it's like the team uh, responsible. But how do you go about measuring then the impact between each team that's having on the metric or is it just like a shared ownership and everybody just like celebrates the success or do you have uh, individual metrics that you like that are in the inputs that you're focusing on uh, for each team? Uh, so our CS team owns the retention number, uh, and that's the way we've kept it. But then, to David's point and what I was saying earlier, then it's their responsibility to scream as loud as possible. to call out to any team within the company wherever they need help right like so if it is the product team that they need help with then they but at the end of the day the buck stops with the customer success team yeah. on the retention forecasting as well as delivering on whatever we need to um to solve that so um cool. yeah and on the the <clears throat> side of things as well from the engagement perspective that you mentioned where it's like the breadth increasing like adoption of features when it comes to that because this is like a shared north star metric that you're own together with product and customer success um how are you measuring the impact from each team or is it like a collective uh, measurement where we say okay that we were successful as a team or is it like okay customer success contributed in this way and product contributed in this way and this is how we got to uh, the north star yeah so like it's basically like the way to think about any of these metrics is there are activities there is leading indicators and then there is lagging outcomes and so this breadth or engagement as you called it the breadth of adoption is the leading indicator the activities that need to go into it from product management side would be like priority making it easier doing user research or like things that actually improve the breadth of adoption from a product management standpoint from the cs standpoint that could be like release notes that are very crystal clear it could be um like in app communication that is very contextual or an email communication that is very contextual it could be a webinar that talks about that particular product so what we do is the eventual goal is improving that leading indicator but then we also measure uh, and talk about in those interlock meetings that i was talking about is the cs team comes prepared to talk about what activities are we doing to actually make sure that the engagement is changing and we measure those activities like open rates on let's say email about feature x nice. um and yeah. Uh I have so many questions and I see we're running up on time as well so no, let, no, me, let, me, let me try. <laughs> um so so the next thing I'm interested as well then is like 
when it comes to uh, customer success and like building in a high touch and a low touch model and uh, like tech touch, um, obviously building software to cater to all these, I'm interested, like how is Gainsight's uh, customer success team structured? Like it's a big team. So uh, what is the breakdown between sort of your high touch, tech touch uh, and low touch uh, and the responsibilities? Yeah. Um, so we in the CSM team, we are basically split into uh, two or three, uh, actually three different um, customer facing teams and then an operations team does that does like things at scale. And so I'll call out both, uh, especially for the tech touch program. So in our uh, CSM delivery organization, meaning the, the people who actually work with our customers, uh, it is split into call it like a growth and global segment, which is call it like the top tier segments or places where regardless of your current ARR to gain side, it's like, what is the expansion potential in those customers? And so that is a separate team, which is, let's call it the high touch team in that sense. Then we've got another segment, which is um, call it like the mid market segment where the volumes are much uh, are slightly higher than the global growth. There's still enterprise segment, enterprise customers. And we have, um, we, uh, complement some of the human effort with some digital and tech touch uh, as part of that, right? So if we were to do four um, business reviews in the high-touch segment, we'll do two business reviews in the mid-touch segment, but then send usage data on a regular basis into that segment so that you always know how your usage of Gainsight is trending. And so we've complemented human with some digital. And then you go to the low end, um, like the general need in that market is there are no operations team members, there are no administrators. And so uh, at our customers for that SMB segment. And so we've basically hired technical CSMs who can dive into the product and actually help the customer configure things. And so uh, India is a huge office for us. And um, we are we have like awesome technical talent that's available in that office as well, working with our customers to solve those types of challenges. So that's on the CSM side of the house. And then the CS operations team, their job is obviously maintaining our instance of Gainsight and making sure that it works for all of these teams that I spoke about. But then in addition, they do a lot of the one-to-many type approaches. So they lead technical webinars on a, a monthly basis uh, to drive feature adoption, et cetera. They do um, things like uh, all our one-to-many communications. I publish a CCO newsletter as an example, where I talk about best practices as well as new product features that are coming out over the next couple of months. And so they help pull all of that together as well to send these out. So these are things that is not many one customer specific, but applies to multiple customers. And for our tech touch segment, it's super valuable to do that. Um, So one one new role that we are building internally is this um, almost like a digital lifecycle manager and so what their job will be is to create life cycle for our non-managed segments in a way, non-managed customers or not, not human managed customers. And so um, creating that life cycle saying, what usage data can we see at different points in that life cycle? And hence, what type of messages should you get uh, from uh, emails, in-app, as well as maybe the support team to talk to you about um, certain features and gain sites. So uh, we are finding scaled processes to do some of that. That's interesting as well, because I think typically that would maybe be a role that lives within marketing. Uh, and now you're sort of uh, yes. bridging the gap even further. So the, blurring the lines between 
specific teams and focusing more on functions. And I think definitely, at least in my opinion, that's the, the future is less about like a specific department and more around uh, rolling like your company around like a company's pain points and what need the job that needs to be done essentially. So, Yep. And the most interesting, by the way, um, just riffing on that, the most interesting area that I'm seeing where there is still the jury is out yet on who owns that communication, which is in product communications, because CSMs have a stake or CS teams have a stake because that is so contextual and so powerful if done right in the product. Product team obviously owns the product. And so it's a very sacred space, right? Like you shouldn't be over spamming in the, inside the product. And so they have a stake in the game. And they obviously PMs want to drive their individual feature adoption, et cetera. And then marketing is really qualified as engaged, like qualified to create engaging copies and like sticking with the brand theme and everything else. So these three teams are approaching the problem from three different angles. And in... Yeah. Like the governance for what should go, what qualifies as a good in-app communication, when should you do it, who should run it is still like undecided in several places. And so that is an area where um, at least I've come to the conclusion that no one team can own this and it has to be more like a cross-functional governing team that decides yeah. what to do. Or, or you like uh, function the team around these uh, things. So like have adoption, a team around adoption and their team is really That's focused right. on, on these sorts of things for sure. Yep. Um, so you're an author as well. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, the book, The Customer Success Professionals uh, Handbook. Um, yep. Give us a quick overview because we as well again running short on time. Um, like uh, why did you decide to write the book? I think obviously like uh, the subtitle being like how to thrive uh, in one of the world's fastest growing careers while driving growth for your company. Uh, give us a little context like uh, where did the inspiration come from? Yeah. Um, so we wrote the first book on customer success a few years back. I want to say five or six years back uh, about the why customer success, right? Like, so this was, um, we didn't invent customer success, but we evangelized it in a big way in the community. And so um, creating a talk track for why CEOs and COs and CFOs should even start caring about customer success as a profession was what the first book did. There was a, what I was seeing was there was a gap um, in converting that why into the how, which is now if I'm a CSM and I'm, I'm maybe a new CSM or I've been doing my job for the last two years, but I want to grow in my career. What should I be doing day in and day out? Like, how do I know if I'm achieving the impact in my profession that I am or not? Like all of that were open questions and I was answering them one off for every customer because like people would come and say like, hey, you see this across the community. Tell me more about um, what a CSM's day in the life should look like. And I would riff on that or my team would talk about it. So we said, why not package it all up in a book? And I I was fortunate enough to be asked by the publisher to uh, write on this, um, given again, the privilege that I have across the community. And so um, it made very natural sense to dive into it. And like CSM as a profession for the last three years now has been the top 10 uh, LinkedIn fastest growing role. So there are more and more people coming into the profession, not knowing what to do in the profession. And so the, this made logical sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's something we chatted about in an episode. It's coming out uh, soon uh, with Rav Daliwal. Um, if you yeah, think, uh, he's great. Like, yeah, he did success at Salesforce, Yammer, Zendesk, Slack, like really incredible career. Uh, we, it was interesting, the discussion we had about how he's actually now an investor 
but yeah. somebody questioned him and said like you're actually a really good investor of your own time if you look at the companies you've picked to choose and work at but uh, it was just sort of the conversation was this is that like uh, customer success really is still not clearly defined uh, in most parts. And for a lot of organizations, it means a lot of different things. So this right. is one of the biggest problems and biggest challenges uh, still in the space is that it's not just like a clearly defined cookie cutter model that everybody clearly gets and understands and says, okay, yes, I need to start customer success in my organization for X, Y, or Z. So I think definitely like having more content like this, uh, like the book that you produce, having a little bit more like thought leadership coming from uh, like the likes of yourselves and and Rav, I think is definitely going to help push uh, the message forward. Uh, so uh, that's very, very interesting. And I think the one thing that I wanted to ask as well, just to make sure we have time for it, is a question I ask every guest. I actually recently just got some feedback on this question as well. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit, uh, okay. which is great. But typically, like I ask every guest that joins the show, let's imagine a hypothetical scenario um, that you join uh, a new company, churn and retention is not doing great, and you have 90 days to make an impact to improve uh, retention. And typically, then I would ask you, like, what, what, what would you do? Uh, what did you do at the time? I'm going to ask you that question, but I don't want you to give me the typical answer of I'd go speak to customers and try to figure out uh, what to do next. What I'd like to hear is maybe something that you've tried in your past that was extremely tactical, um, that had a big impact on retention and uh, what that would be. And let's imagine this company that you're at is facing the same problem and you feel that the solution is going to work. Yeah, totally. So being hypothesis driven, I would say one, the biggest challenge that I've seen um, that causes some churn. Again, like the first thing to note is where compared to the benchmark is the churn in this company? Like, is it way off the benchmark? Like let's say 85% plus retention or 15% churn, 10 to 15% churn is like where a lot of companies are. If you're greater than 90% retention, gross retention dollars, then you are generally in good company, right? So if you're at 70, my answer will be very different. And if you're at like 85 or 90, then my answer will be very different. But I'll just give you um, a hypothetical for... Um, uh, um, a, a use case that I think a lot of companies don't invest a lot of time in, and it has a lot of impact, which is executive sponsorship program. So people get blindsided by churn because they haven't been talking to the key decision maker well in advance and throughout the customer lifecycle, and or they haven't been talking to multiple decision makers and stakeholders within the company. They've been focused on let's say the operations person in the company and they're working towards it, but that hasn't translated over to the person that actually owns the writing of the check. And, um, and they are only spoken to a few months before the renewal, which obviously is not a great experience. So that creating a, a very systematic exec sponsor program, if it doesn't exist in the company is the first thing that I would do. Very nice. Yeah. And that's definitely like something we hear on the show. Well, I think happened maybe around episode 12 was the first time I really like heard about this and then it just became a recurring theme is like how important it is to have like really good executive sponsorship to know who your customer champions are and not to yep. just rely about with one person on the company because that's typically like a biggest reason for churn is like when one of these people leave then uh, you're stuck for like for nobody to explain within the organization why they're using your products or service why it's valuable so when time comes around to rewriting that check for renewal it's like Nobody has the context to understand like what the value is and why they should keep you. So exactly. I love that. 
Uh, and then the next question uh, I ask as well as I'm interested is what's one thing that you know today about churn and retention that you wish you knew when you got started with your career? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I'd say like, I think back to the theme of the entire conversation that you and I had had, um, I think product plays such a huge role in the churn and retention. Um, you could like the CS team, don't get me wrong. The CS team can do a lot of things to get some quick wins to improve churn and retention. But um, I think uh, the if I was to do things differently, I would have parallel processed the product part of this like five years back so that things could have changed five years back, which then yielded results in the subsequent years because product is a much longer game than CS actions. And so our actions can produce pretty quick impact in the CS world, but then we need product bought in to do certain changes, which then yields results a year, two years down the line. Exactly. And I think that's one of the like the main themes of the show as well is that like churn is such a lagging metric and decisions that you're making like two, three years ago uh, are having an impact today. And, and it's all these different inputs, I think, uh, that really impact the output, which is that's the right. final metric. So, yep. uh, well, it's been a pleasure having you uh, today on the show. Is there sort of any final thoughts you'd like to leave the listeners with, uh, Ashwin? Uh, yes, absolutely. So, um we are uh, like at Gainside, our mission or our purpose to exist is to win in business while being human first. And so we always believe that CS and in general business is a very human first profession and human first endeavor. And so a book that uh, my CEO recommended to me that I'm loving right now is called Humankind. If folks haven't read it, I highly recommend it. The author basically um, challenges the world to say that actually our natural state is not to cause strife, not to cause wars. The natural state for human beings as a species is to actually coexist and uh, love each other and live in harmony. And I think with everything that's going on, uh, extremism going on all over the world, I think everyone should be reading this book and getting empathy for each other. Absolutely. So. Is that uh, Humankind, A Hopeful History by Rutger Bregman? Is that the book? Yes, exactly. That's the, awesome. that's the book. Yeah, we'll leave uh, obviously a link to it in the show notes as well. I'm definitely adding it uh, to my reading list uh, as well. So thanks uh, for that recommendation. Uh, yeah, and also just a big thanks as well. I mentioned, uh, got some feedback from a guest recently. Uh, that his name is actually Jeremy Donovan. Uh, he's going to be joining us on the show soon as well. He's the F- SVP of uh, sales strategy um, at Salesloft. Uh, so uh, thank you very much, Jeremy, for the feedback. I think it was great to hear as well, Ashvin's uh, perspective on how we go about approaching the problem. And I'm looking forward to hear others as well, guests going forward. So thank you so much for joining today. I really, really appreciate uh, the time. It was great uh, learning from you. And obviously, I think you had a super interesting space at a super interesting time and uh, sort of uh, lucky and fortunate to be able to help define some of the best practices in customer success going forward. So really, really appreciate uh, the time and uh, best of luck now going forward. Thank you so much, Andrew. And thank you for everything you're doing for the community, sharing this podcast as well. Thank you. Cheers. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, Subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. 
Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to Andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.